Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death. This is the program where, that is intended for all of those who want to return a culture of life in the United States. Uh, we discuss here topics of interest. We bring you on many programs, uh, interviews with, with pro-life leaders. Today we're going to be discussing what's going on in the pro-life community, especially what's coming up next week. But before we get into all of that, we want to begin our program the way we always begin our program, and that is by asking you to say a Hail Mary together with me to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all involved in today's program so that our discussion will lead us to the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you start a new activity during the day to call on the Blessed Mother for her blessings on whatever it is that you're starting to do. Okay, we in the pro-life movement uh, this week and next week, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of speaking about two bills uh, that are in the United States Senate that um, may be passed uh, next week. Uh, the Senate has, has uh, according to what we were able to find, the Senate has scheduled votes on these bills. And I want to take some time at the beginning of the program today to discuss these bills because you're going to hear a lot about them. You're going to hear a lot of hype about them. You're going to hear pro-life organization after pro-life organization pushing these bills and saying how wonderful they are. And I'm going to give you a contrary opinion, right? something you're not going to hear from the mainstream pro-life movement. And I'm going to do that, and I'm going to explain why right, for each one. So the first part of this program may take a little bit longer than usual in terms of moving on from one topic to another. But I think it's absolutely essential that you, my listeners, at least have an opportunity to understand what is going on and then to form your own opinions on what is happening, because you're going to hear from me and then you'll hear from uh, a lot of other pro-life groups. So there are two bills that the mainstream pro-life movement has been pushing uh, very hard and has gotten the support of President Trump. And, and I don't blame President Trump on any of this because he is being encouraged by a lot of very top pro-life organizations in the country to support these bills. Um, it's just that we at American Life League and a lot of other pro-life organizations don't see it the same way as some of the top pro-life groups who, who are more political. Uh, the two bills that we're going to talk about, it, one is called the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, and the other is called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Okay, so we're going to take these one at a time and just explain to you a little bit what, what these bills are intended to do and, and what my problem with that bill, and I'm not the only one. It's not just me who has a problem with it. You know, um, the, the, I'm, I'm telling you the position of American Life League and the position of a lot of other groups uh, around the country. So let's first take the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. What this act uh, attempts to do is to, in, in the words of those who support it, to outlaw abortion 
after 20 weeks. The bill goes through a lengthy discussion of when preborn children feel pain um, and comes to a consensus, and, and we should not be writing bills by consensus, but by consensus that everybody agrees that at 20 weeks of age in the womb, that the preborn child can feel pain. Now, there's a lot of evidence that the child feels pain earlier than that, but for the sake of this bill, they settled on 20 weeks um, and said that. So uh, you will hear uh, from people who are promoting this bill that this bill will outlaw abortion after 20 weeks or they will say five months. Okay, so you'll hear five months. You'll hear 20 weeks. That's what this thing will do. So it'll save all babies after 20 weeks in the womb. So it'll outlaw you know, uh, the, the later term abortions. Now, the fact is, if you read the bill, now the bill in the Senate, if anybody wants to actually go and read the bill, you can do that. Um, the bill they're talking about is Senate Bill 3275. So it's S.3275. And if you want to read the bill, you simply go to Congress.gov. That's the official congressional website, the word Congress.gov. Right. And you put in the search box that pops up right there, uh, S dot space 3275, and the bill will come open up for you. And, and there are a lot of tabs and stuff, but there's a tab that will be there that says text. And if you click on that, then you can read the entire text of the bill. And it doesn't go on for pages and pages and pages. It's, it's not a, you know, extremely long bill, but you can read through it. And when you read through the bill, what you will find is it does, in fact, say that you can't do an abortion after 20 weeks because the baby feels pain. Right? But then it says there are exceptions to the bill. OK, there are cases in which you can do an abortion. It puts some restrictions on those cases, some documentation that is necessary. But in fact, it describes you know, how you can uh, do an abortion after 20 weeks and still not violate the bill. Now, one of the, the, the uh, well, there's two main abortions. I mean, I'm sorry, two main exceptions in the bill. One is for life of the mother, right? It says if this abortion is necessary to save the life of the mother, then you can do it. Now, to a lot of people, that makes sense, except for the fact that there is never an abortion that is necessary to save the life of the mother. Now, never is probably, you know, a, a, a uh, all-encompassing word, and, and you don't want to say absolute. So let's say that is almost never needed, okay? And, and the cases in which it's needed um, are, well, it's never needed. It's never needed. Let me let me stick with my first statement. Now, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, you know, you can go back decades. You can go back 50 years if you want. In 1967, a Dr. Alan Guttmacher wrote a book called The Case for Legalized Abortion Now. Alan Guttmacher was president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Alan Guttmacher was pro-abortion to the core, okay? He fought to get abortion legalized. He was trying to get abortion legalized. 
Right? He, he wanted abortion to be there. He was in favor of abortion. But in his book in 1967, which is over 50 years ago, Guckmacher wrote, and I'm going to quote his, his sentence here now. Uh, he said, quote, today, that's 1967, today it is possible for almost any patient to be brought through the pregnancy alive unless she suffers from a fatal illness such as cancer or leukemia. And if so, abortion would be unlikely to prolong, much less save her life. Right. So in 50 years ago, the pro-abortion medical professionals were saying, you know, abortion is not needed to save a life because uh, we can bring women through their pregnancies with modern medicine. Now, if if they could do that 50 years ago with their modern medicine, right? how much more can they do it today? How much has medicine advanced in 50 years? A few years ago, American Life League put out a statement that said it is never necessary to do an abortion to save a woman's life. And what happened is we invited medical professionals, primarily doctors, but we said, you know, nurses, whatever. We invited medical professionals to sign on to that statement if they wanted to. And in a short period of time, we had over 500 doctors signing on to that statement that says it is never necessary to do an abortion to save a woman's life. And that's, that was, you know, that five or 10 years ago. But, you know, again, we, we have today's medicine. We, we have all kinds of things that we can do that we couldn't do back in 1967. We couldn't even do five years ago, but we do them today. And so it has only made those statements more significant, more truthful. Right? You just don't have to have an abortion to save the life of a woman. But all of our bills, all of the pro-life bills that go through Congress, um, with, with the exception of a couple, uh, all of the pro-life bills have that exception in it. It is like automatically written into the bills. And so we, we have this statement in this pain-capable uh, Unborn Child Protection Act that says no abortions after five months or 20 weeks uh, and we have this exception in it that is not really an exception but abortionists love it okay when these kinds of things are, are passed you know there was the uh, uh, abortionist in, in wichita kansas who said you know i am just going to say that every late-term abortion that i do is necessary to save the mother's life and let me let them prove me wrong Okay, it's an escape clause. It's it's just something to allow the abortionist to say the right words and do the abortion anyway. So that is the first problem with this unborn, uh, this pain capable bill. Okay, it has this life of the mother exception in it, but that's not the only exception that is in this bill. The bill says that if the pregnancy happened because of rape or incest that you can then also kill the child after the 20 weeks, right? So a child who is conceived as a result of a rape is not as an important, is not as significant and doesn't need the protection of every other child who was conceived through natural intercourse. Ridiculous. 
every child is created by God. And every child is created in God's likeness. God decides when a child comes. And there are times when a child comes because of rape or when a child comes before, because of incest. Now, we don't excuse the crime of the father. We don't excuse the, the rapist. We don't excuse the family member who impregnated maybe a minor child, right? We don't excuse the crime, but we also don't kill the baby because somebody else committed a crime. You know, in the United States today, for, you know, it is not a capital crime, rape or incest. There's not a capital crime. You don't put the rapist to death. You don't put the relative to death, but you can put the baby to death. And even in this bill, this supposed pro-life bill that seeks to end all abortion after 20 weeks, it contains the clause that, well, if the child was conceived by rape or incest, this law doesn't apply. And there's some conditions in the bill, but basically it doesn't apply. And so as a result of this, if this bill were to pass and to go into law, babies that after 20 weeks Unless they, they were conceived by rape or incest or an abortion doctor said, I need to do this abortion to save the life of the mother, knowing that he is lying, right? These babies would not be protected. And that's why we're opposed to this legislation. It doesn't make sense. It is only saving some of the babies. But it is writing into law that it is okay to kill preborn babies that were conceived as a result of rape or incest. Or that supposedly it is claimed by the abortionist that, it's, that this child threatens the mother's life. A false claim 50 years ago and an even more false claim today. Okay. We don't think we should be passing any laws, much less laws supported by many pro-life groups that say it's okay to kill babies, any babies in the womb. And that's what these these bills like this does, and that is what the pain-capable bill does. And again, I don't want you to take my word for it. I'm here uh, to discuss what's going on, and, and you know, my role here is to call your attention to this. Go to congress.gov. Right? Search for the bill S period 3275. Read the bill for yourself. It's, it's not a hard bill to read. And you'll see the exceptions in there. As much as the hype that you're going to hear next week on this bill, it's a bill that in the end says it is okay to kill some of the babies in the womb. And that is not the kind of bill that the pro-life movement should be pushing. Because... If you look at the other side, well, because it's wrong, but if you look at the other side, they will never agree that there is any reason that an abortion should not be performed, right? Because they, they, they've staked their, their stake in the ground, you know, that every abortion is okay. We on our side are all of, you know, not all of a sudden, because we've been doing this for 40 years. We on our side are saying, well, some abortions we'll let you have, but not all of them. Well, that's a losing argument. It really is. 
So I, I, I encourage you to, to really understand what they're talking about with this bill. Now, the other bill is, is really – it's actually a little weird, okay, because it, it really isn't about abortion, even though the word abortion is in the title. Right? The second bill you're going to hear about next week is the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. That's the title. The Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. It is in the United States Senate and it is Senate Bill 311, 311. Okay, so again, if you want to read the bill, you can go to congress.gov, put into the search engine S period space 311 and the bill will come up for you and, and you can you can read it. Okay, um, so so what I'm going to tell you is right in the bill. So I just. Don't I want you to know you can go check it out. OK, now this is a bill that says that if uh, if someone is doing an abortion and the baby is born alive, the baby survives the abortion, the baby is outside the mother and is breathing and is alive, that you can't kill that baby. Right? Now, there already is a Born Alive Infant Protection Act that was passed in Congress and signed by the president a number of years ago. And that one says you can't kill the baby, as this one does. But what this bill adds is that you must immediately, if you are a medical professional and you are there when this happens, that the baby is born alive, you must take action to try to ensure that this baby stays alive. So you must give the, the baby the immediate medical attention that you would give any other baby um, that was at that same point in their lives, you know, had just been born, uh, not as a result of an abortion, but as a result of a, of a normal delivery, uh, that the baby was born and you would give that baby medical attention to solve any particular problem that might be going on, or if necessary, to transport that baby to a facility that can handle the problem. Uh, since most of the abortions that they're talking about take place in abortion um, clinics or abortion facilities, um, what the bill says is you've got to transport the baby to a hospital um, as quickly as possible to ensure that the baby is going to get life-saving treatment. Okay, that's the piece that was missing from the earlier bill. The earlier bill said you couldn't do anything to kill the baby, right? but it didn't require that action be taken to save the baby this adds that to it okay and that's a good thing and i have no problem with that no, i don't think anybody in the pro-life movement would have any problem with that all of that is great and you read through all of this in the bill you know you say okay this is all good this is good stuff you know this is a good bill and then you get down in the bill and and there's a section of the bill right the small little section it's easy to miss it that says bar, B-A-R, bar to prosecution, okay? That means you can't prosecute, all right? And it says that the mother of the baby, right? And it actually uses those words, the mother of the, of, of the child, I think it says, the mother of the, of the child cannot be prosecuted for violating this bill. I, I, think about that a second. The mother of the child cannot be prosecuted for violating this bill. That's what it says in the bill. So here you have a bill that says if a preborn child goes in and you attempt to do an abortion to kill that preborn child and the child winds up being born alive, 
every medical professional in the room is obligated to treat the child and to get the child to a hospital. The only one who is not obligated is the mother. And if the mother, who, by the way, is the one who came in to get the abortion, if the mother decides, let me hold that baby, you know, and of course, nobody's going to say, no, you can't hold your own baby, right? Let me hold the baby. And the mother holds the baby and either prohibits the medical professionals from treating that baby or getting that baby to the hospital or even takes aggressive action to kill the baby. According to the pro-life bill that is being hyped in the Senate next week, she cannot be prosecuted. You can't prosecute her from prohibiting the medical professionals from getting that baby help because she is the mother of the child and you can't prosecute her. What kind of crazy statement is that? What kind of thinking went into that? Right? You know, there, there was a big thing a year ago when the when the in New York State Governor Mary, um, Governor Andrew Cuomo um, signed into law a bill, the, the worst abortion bill in in the country, that just allowed abortion for any reason at any time. And then Virginia tried to pass a bill that might have been even a little worse than the New York bill, and Governor. Uh, Ralph Northam of Virginia, and we're we're located here in Virginia, so this is our home state. Governor Northam went on the radio and said, "When a when a when a woman goes in for abortion and the baby is born alive, um, then there's a discussion that takes place. We first try to make the baby comfortable, and then we have a discussion with the mother, and the mother will decide whether or not the baby lives or dies." And everybody became outraged at that. Right, every pro-lifer became outraged at that. Right. How, what do you mean that, that the mother can decide whether the baby lives or dies? Well, now we have a bill in Congress next week being pushed by pro-lifers. Senate Bill 311, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act that says if the mother violates this act and either by preventing people from helping the baby or any other action and the baby dies, she cannot be prosecuted. It's we, we in Virginia, we, we, call, we call it the Northam bill. OK, it, it is Senate Bill 311. It has that provision in it, which is why we're opposed to that bill. And I hope you understand that, that we don't like to oppose what, what are intended to be good pro-life bills. We, we wish that good pro-life bills would get passed. You know, there is a good pro-life bill in, in Congress, uh, in the House of Representatives. It, it is the Life at Conception Act, which simply says all babies in the womb are protected. No exceptions. No nothing. Just they're all protected. Right, so there are there is good legislation. We're not opposed to every piece of legislation. But these two bills that are going to be hyped next week, that you're going to hear a lot about next week, I wanted to take the time, and I know it's it's been a long time, but I wanted to take the time on the show today to let you know why not every pro-life group in the country is in favor of these bills and why. And to tell you how you can go read the bills yourself and see 
what it is that is being objected to by a number of pro-life organizations around the country. So we're going to wrap up our discussion on that now. I hope it's it's been clear enough. I hope you know that you can go read e- either of these two bills at congress.gov and you put in S point um, or S period space 3275 for the pain capable bill and you put in S period space 311 for the Born Alive bill, you can read them yourselves. You can see what's there. Uh, you can listen to the hype, but I'm, I'm just trying to give you an overview of this so, so that you really know why it is that there are pro-life groups around the country that don't like this bill. You won't get that impression. Okay. All right. Um, my name is Jim Sedlak, and you are listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. We've been talking so far today about two bills that are, going to, that are going to come up for a vote in the United States Senate next week. The, uh, the Pain-Capable Abortion Child Protection Act and the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. And we've been telling you why um, American Life League and other pro-life groups and, and me personally do not support these bills. And I, I hope we've, we've been able to do that. Okay, we're going to move on um, to, to some other things. Um, And one of the things I I want to talk to you about is the abortion pill reversal procedure. Now, what this is, this is all about the what is called medication abortions. Medication abortions uh, take place. Uh, In fact, they're they're now um, estimated to be almost the majority of abortions that take place in the United States. Um, as far as Planned Parenthood are, you know, the number one abortionist in the country, they have more facilities that do medication only abortions than they do have than their surgical abortion procedures uh, facilities. So um, this is this is something that is going to really um, be even more prominent uh, in the time to come. And what, what we want to let you know is that there is um, uh, a procedure whereby you can reverse the effects of the of the abortion pill if it's done quickly enough now the the abortion pill regimen um, has a woman take two pills the first pill is taken uh, and it's mifeprestone is taken uh, in the is supposed to be taken uh, in the medical office either a doctor's office a clinic uh, whatever although we have been receiving reports that Planned Parenthood is giving women both pills and telling them to take the first one at home that's not supposed to happen it's supposed to be taken in a medical facility that pill a mifeprestone uh, blocks progesterone from getting to the baby. And by blocking progesterone, the baby needs progesterone in order to live. Uh, And by blocking the progesterone, that first bill um, ends the baby's life. And it ends the baby's life in roughly one to two, maybe three days at the most. But it, it, you know, the baby dies because it can't get the progesterone. And then what happens is the woman is given a second pill. Okay, uh, which is generally methotrexate, and she is supposed to take that pill at home a couple of days after she takes the first pill, and methotrexate induces um, cramping and 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 basically labor uh, in the, in in the womb, and the the woman will expel the now dead baby from her body. 
Okay, so those are the two pills. And if you've seen the movie Unplanned, um, Abby Johnson used that method in in um, in having an abortion, and it's it's illustrated in that film. Um, but so there's two pills involved. Well, what has been found out is that if the woman takes the first pill, the pill that is blocking progesterone uh, from getting into her body, and she regrets it. She says, oh, no, you know, I should not have done this. I, I really wish that there is something that I could do um, that, that would, you know, be able to save my baby. Well, it turns out that there is something that she can do, okay? Uh, and what that is is to get to a doctor who is trained in this procedure and to have the doctor give her massive doses of progesterone. Right? That's the procedure. The procedure is to give her massive doses of progesterone. Now, obviously, it has to be done quickly, generally within 24 to 48 hours at the most after taking that first pill. And it has to be, you know, um, done, you know, in a, in, a, in a specific way, but you don't have to know the specific way. That's what the trained doctor is therefore that's that's why he is he is doing it um and and so the trick is that if a woman comes out of of a medical facility and is saying i i, I regret taking that first pill if you can get her to a doctor very quickly they can start the reversal procedure block the or, or give her massive doses of progesterone which will overwhelm the the action of that first pill and will allow the pregnancy to continue now if you've already taken the second pill it, it doesn't work okay has to be just the first pill that is taken now there is there is a helpline that you can call uh, to find out more about this um, it is the helpline is 877 558 Again, it's 877-558-0333. And, and if you're scrambling around for a paper and pencil, go ahead and do it. I'll repeat the number in, in, in a minute or two. Okay. So what this does is this gets you to a hotline who has the names and addresses and, and all the information for doctors in your area that have been trained to do this procedure. And what will happen is you'll call, they'll ask for your zip code, you give them your zip code, they then look to see what doctor they have closest to you, and they will you know, make arrangements for you to see that doctor. And, and that doctor, if you're fast enough, um, you know, if it's been soon enough after you're, you're, you've taken that first pill, has a good chance of saving your baby, okay? Um, there, there was a study done, right, and... Um, it has been determined uh, in a peer-reviewed study, a 2018 peer-reviewed study, showed positive results in 64 to 68% of the pregnancies. Okay? So roughly two-thirds of women who do this and do it quickly, right, can save their babies. So all is not lost, right? These babies are being saved. There are hundreds of these babies that are being saved all the time as a result of this procedure. Now, Planned Parenthood will tell you this is hogwash. Planned Parenthood will tell you there's no such thing. Well, Planned Parenthood doesn't get paid for saving babies. They get paid for killing babies. 
And so, of course, they will try to, to tell you that this is, is something that you shouldn't even bother with. But it works. So if, if you're a pro-lifer, for example, and you are outside of an abortion facility and a woman comes out and, and you talk to the woman and she says, well, I just took the abortion pill. You know, you can tell her, you know, if you have regrets, as long as you act today, you can save your baby. OK, I mean, there's a two thirds possibility of saving the baby. And you say, here is the hotline number. And maybe you have it printed on a card or something. But the hotline number is 877-558-0333. Call that number and save a baby. All right. It's it, it's that easy for you. It is that easy for her. She, of course, has to get to the doctor and has to go through the treatments. But there is a very, very good chance that if she does this quickly, that she will be able to save the baby. She now regrets trying to kill. Right? And there can be a happy ending here. So um, now in some places, on some pieces of literature, it is called abortion pill reversal. On other pieces of literature, it is called abortion pill rescue, right? saying that we're going to rescue you from the effects of the abortion pill. Both are the same. It's the same procedure. It's the same doctors that are involved. It's just that two different names have become popular. So abortion pill re reversal or abortion pill rescue. I mean, when you're out there in front of the abortion mill and you have a woman who says that she regrets it, you know, you can say to her, we can rescue your baby if you will take action immediately. All right. So abortion pill rescue or abortion pill reversal, something that every pro-lifer should know. And once again, I will give you the, the phone number for the hotline. And that is 877 558 0333. Get that number. Keep it with you at all times. You Give it to as many people as possible. You don't know how many babies you will be able to save just by using that hotline and giving out that information. It is, it is really a, a miracle that people have found this and that people are, are using this and that there are now so many doctors trained that they can usually help people no matter where they are in the country. Okay, uh, I'm going to switch topics completely on you now uh, and talk about David Daleiden and the other defendants at, uh, from the Center for Medical Progress who um, a little bit later today in California, and it's three hours earlier. Well, it's three. It, it is now rather than telling you how many hours earlier because I don't know where you are. Um, it is now 945 um, in the morning in California. Um, and uh, sometime this afternoon, David Daleiden and his fellow defendants will be arraigned in criminal court for nine counts of criminal charges against them as a result of the video, the undercover videotaping of uh, Planned Parenthood and the whole baby body parts business at Planned Parenthood, for which uh, people involved in the business uh, have been uh, fined and, and in some cases put out of business because of their involvement. But Planned Parenthood has found friendly judges and friendly attorney generals in the state of, of California uh, and is pursuing these cases against David and against the Sandra Merritt and against the others who are involved here. Um, and w they need your prayers today. Okay. They need your prayers that the arraignment goes well, um, that the, that the uh, judge, um, 
uh, is fair in the procedures and, and uh, um, at least for today and that things go as best as they can when you're being arraigned on nine criminal counts. Uh, these are not civil counts. These, are, these don't result in just a fine. These result uh, most times in jail time. Um, however, you know, these people, the people from the Center for Medical Progress, David and Sandra and the, the other people, um, are the first people in the history of California to be criminally charged for taking undercover videos that revealed illegal practices. No other reporter, no other journalist, no other person has been charged and prosecuted in a criminal case for doing what the Leiden and Sandra and, and the others have done. So this is an outright attack on pro-lifers. This is an outright attack on those who want to save babies and want to make public the gross baby body parts business at Planned Parenthood. Now, there was a civil trial that was held earlier, or well, later, late last year, but it was, it was uh, done before this trial. And in a civil trial, uh, the... The uh, Planned Parenthood people who took the stand under oath admitted that everything in those videos was accurate and that the videos were not doctored and that the videos proclaimed um, and gave the, the clear picture of what was going on at Planned Parenthood. But because there's a California law on, you know, who you can, who you can uh, uh, videotape or audio tape, et cetera, they, they've, they've trumped up these, these criminal charges uh, against these people. So please pray for them today, especially as, as uh, they, they are arraigned in court. And we, we pray certainly that uh, the final outcome of the trial will be one where, where these defendants are, are found not guilty. Um, because that's that's what should be done. Okay, um, we have a we have uh, well we have a, a bit of time left here today. Um, let me let me tell you uh, you you hear about uh, pro-lifers being censored and stuff. There is a new thing that's been happening for the last uh, year or two around the country, um, and that is that pro-lifers have found that they're being kept from putting up pro-life billboards. Um, it is a it is a problem that is getting worse and worse. You may see pro life billboards in your area um, now, uh, and if you if you do, um, you should be thankful. But if you do, I want you to to please find out who the advertising agency is that handles that, and send them notes of encouragement. Thank them for having these messages up there. Tell them how helpful they are uh, because they are under a lot of pressure from the pro-abortion people to take these billboards down. And in some cases, they, they have. And it's not always the advertising agency. OK, uh, what we have found out uh, is that is, there, there are two pieces to this. First of all, the billboard structures are very often owned by somebody other than the advertising company. It is somebody who has put up a billboard, either a company or an individual, who has legally constructed a billboard and then goes to an advertising company and offers their billboard to put up ads. And the advertising company pays the billboard owner a certain fee and then, of course, charges those who want to put up the ads enough to cover the, the fee they pay the billboard owner uh, plus you know, their own 
fees uh, so that they make money on it because if they didn't make money, they wouldn't be doing it. Well, what we found is that people like Planned Parenthood are not only pressuring the advertising companies, they're also pressuring the billboard owners. And there have been some cases where, where it is clearly known that the advertising companies want to put up the ads that the pro-lifers are paying for, but the billboard owners have been so pressured by Planned Parenthood that they refuse to allow the ads to go up. And this is a, a movement, if you will. This is something that's spreading across the United States. And so if you see these ads, make sure you, you let the advertising company know because then when the billboard owner comes and says, I don't want them up there, they can show the billboard owner all the positive results that are being done, all of the positive things. If you've seen a billboard and decided not to abort your baby, if you've seen a billboard and just been encouraged, um, you know, all of this stuff right to your to the advertising companies. There's usually something on the billboard itself that will identify who the advertising company is. Um, if not, just wait for the billboard to, to um, you know, say, you know, this space available and give you a phone number and stuff. And then you can you can call the advertising company and let them know the, how much you, you uh, uh, enjoy and, and respect them for putting up the uh, the ads, the, the pro-life ads and how well they're needed. I, I think pro-lifers need to do this. We can't just sit back and wail about what Planned Parenthood or, or other abortion providers are doing. We've got to take action on our side. If we're going to protect the babies, we've got to take action to protect the babies. And and this whole billboard thing is really exploding across the nation. That, that uh, we're, we're getting reports from, from many different states and from many different cities um, saying how they, they, you know, billboards that they've had up for years, they cannot get back up again because of the, uh, the bias of the, uh, either the advertising company or, or the billboard owner. Okay. Uh, the, the last thing I, I want to talk about for you here is that you know, Planned Parenthood lost some money to the um, because they turned down, they voluntarily withdrew from the Title X program because the Title X program under the Trump administration insisted that the Title X family planning money could not go to organizations that performed or referred for abortions. And so Planned Parenthood was given a choice. The choice was to either separate their abortion business from their family planning business and, and have them in, you know, the abortion business completely separate in separate buildings and by, run by separate staff, um, you know, finances completely separate, or to lose Title X money, okay? Now, Planned Parenthood, as a result of that, decided that their abortion business was more important than the Title X money, and so they voluntarily withdrew. They said, no, we're not going to do that. Now, they could have done that two ways. They could have stayed in the program and just kept doing what they're doing and waited to be thrown out, or they could just opt out of the program, and they, they decided to, to just opt out. So they voluntarily left the program. Now they are, they are crying, you know, that they're losing this money. And they lost approximately around $60 million a year. Now, $60 million sounds like a lot unless you're Planned Parenthood and your, your annual income is $1.6 billion. Okay, so $60 million is a rounding error. Okay, it's not a big deal. Right? But what Planned Parenthood is running around the country and doing is crying poverty 
you know, even though they made $110 million in profit last year and $244 million the year before, they're crying poverty and they want the states and the cities to pick up some of the slack and they're getting what they want. And right now, there are a number of states uh, that uh, are, you know, giving money to Planned Parenthood to make up for the shortfall in the Title X money. Uh, And they've already gotten some money from New Jersey, Massachusetts, Hawaii, Maryland, Illinois, Vermont, Oregon, Washington, California, and New York. Right. Either either the state or cities in those states have given them money. Uh, the state of Connecticut and the state of Pennsylvania say that they are going to give them some money. And if you add up all the money that they're getting from all of these different entities, they're getting about 30 million dollars. So so they've already made up half of what they voluntarily gave up just from getting your money from your cities and states into their bank accounts. Uh, you know, the biggest one is, is the state of New Jersey that gave them nine and a half million dollars. Uh, the state of Massachusetts gave them eight million dollars. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania, uh, the, the um, uh, governor has in his budget to give Planned Parenthood three million dollars. Uh, and then there's various dollar amounts among the other states. But $30 million they've already gotten back. So uh, beware of that in your state, and let's put a stop to that, and let's let's get out there and, uh, and fight to keep taxpayer money away from Planned Parenthood. And that's not only federal. That is state and local money also. Okay, we've come to the end of our show today. I hope it has been informative for you. Uh, we will end our show now the way we always end our show, and that is by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you very much for listening.